You're listening to a message from Every Nation Canberra. In this message, Pastor Joe Sulit discusses six traits of the fruit of the Holy Spirit and honors fathers as Australia celebrates Father's Day. We are just about to conclude our series called The Unknown God, and I'm happy to announce that next week we'll be starting our new series called The Forgotten Commandment, Finding Joy and Honoring your parents. We are all children and we all have parents and we all have issues with our parents and they all have issues with us. And in the light of this series, we are hoping and praying that we'll be able to look at the practical and the biblical aspects, the reason why we have to honor our parents. I think this is really, really very timely for all of us. So we're starting that next week. So if you want to bring your parents along, that, that would be great, and your children are wrong too. That would also be great. We are concluding our series called The Unknown God. We learned about who the Holy Spirit is, the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a Christian. Pastor Larry Matsuaki talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We started the fruit of the Holy Spirit last week, and we are concluding the unknown God with the fruit of the Spirit today. Going back to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We have to remember that the fruit of the Spirit, these are traits, right, that we cannot produce ourselves. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells and resides inside of us that we are able to bear this fruit. The primary role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a Christian is to change that life, to make it more like the image of Jesus, so that God may be glorified by the impact that changed life brings to other people. Now, we are very fortunate because we get to celebrate Mother's Day, Father's Day, a day in advance of everyone else, right? If you want to be recognized as a dad, Today, as we celebrate Father's Day, we come here to pray and honor all our dads. So we want to honor you today. And as we end the series, Fruit of the Spirit, I pray that we will realize the important role that God has given to us, especially the role that we have to play in the lives of our children and how the fruit of the Spirit will help us become better fathers. All right, so we praise and we honor our fathers today. Let's give them a hand. Yes, you may sit down now. Let's be honest, fatherhood is fulfilling, right? But it's, I can see the smile on the father's face. It is fulfilling, really. But there are times when it can be frustrating. It could be discouraging. It could be painful. It could be very, very, very exhausting, right? It's not always easy being a father. Many men here probably have dads who have not modeled fatherhood really well. And some men never even met their dads. I can speak for myself. I had a father, but I never really had a dad. And who I am today, what I am today, is a product of my fatherless childhood. Professor Bruce Robinson of Western Australia was the founder of a project called The Fathering Project. And he has completed a significant research into the role and the importance of fathers in childhood development. And he shared thought-provoking statistics 
coming out from the United States. 75% of adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 90% of homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. The Australian Bureau of Statistics in 2012 reported that there are 780,000, and that's a lot of single mother families. These are families with absent fathers. Fathers, if you leave your child without any reason, don't expect to come back with an excuse because there's nothing worse than a man who can be everything to everyone except the father to his own child. Fatherhood is a defining role. You have to remember that. And the most powerful teaching of children is by the examples that we set. The examples set by parents. No matter what you do in life, you will always be looked up as a role model. Whether you like it or not, you will be a mother or a father figure to someone. Children learn from more from what you are than what you say. Children believe what you do and not what you say. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Imagine who you want your kids to become. Be that person. If you want your children to grow to be loving people, show love. If you want your children to be kind, speak well of others. Set an example. If you want your children to be generous, be generous to others. If you want your children to respect you, don't yell at them. Respect them. If you want your children to value family, love your wife. If you imagine who you want your children to become, be that person. Now, one of the traits of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fourth one, is patience. And I want to ask you this question. Who do you think your children will learn patience from? Are you teaching them patience when you are openly and angrily complaining about the traffic or the guy who cut you off the road or the slow driver in front of you? Are you teaching your children patience if you're just grumbling and shouting and cursing and saying all those words because you're impatient? When you are driven to a point of anger, remember this, patience in a moment of anger will save you a lot of regret. The Bible says, walk with humility and gentleness, with patience. And this is very important. Bear with one another in love. It is hard to be patient when you only think of yourself. The question is this. Are you able to keep a godly perspective when things go wrong, when people irritate you? and when you are being asked to wait. You know, patience is not the ability to wait. All of us have waited probably long, so long at some point in our lives. 
Patience is not the ability to wait. Remember, patience is the ability to keep a godly attitude while waiting. It is not in the waiting. It is in your heart while you are waiting. And that is what's important. It is the calm acceptance that God sometimes allows things to happen in a different order than the one that we wanted. Sometimes he let you go first. Sometimes he let you go last. When things that are happening in your life seem to be so slow, when people seem to be so slow, remember, maybe God is teaching you to become patient. Maybe he's preparing you to bear this fruit. The next two traits of the fruit of the Spirit is kindness and goodness. And a reminder to all of us is to always be kinder than necessary. Always be kinder than necessary. Who do you need to be kind to? You need to be kind to the person who gossiped about you. You need to be kind to the person who talks behind your back or probably your intolerable neighbor. You have to be kind to the unkind people because they need it the most. And be the reason why they would believe that you are a follower of Christ. Not because you say so, but because you live so. The Bible says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Husbands, be kind to your wives. Love them. Tell them now, I love you. Did you mean it? <laughs> because their condition, the condition of your wife, is a reflection to the world of what kind of husband you are. Fathers, be kind to your children and do not provoke them. We're going to talk about honoring our parents next week, but I want to call the attention of parents today. Do not provoke your children. In Ephesians 6, 4, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. It means not to do things that would cause them to be irritated, frustrated, and sometimes even enraged. And I know a lot of children here have felt that way towards their parents. They irritate you, right? And some, yes, that's a big yes. Amen to that. They frustrate you, right? We may not be aware. Children, we love you. And that's something that we cannot deny. But the thing is, sometimes we have different ways of showing it. And you may not be aware, parents, that you are irritating your children and not realize it. And there are different ways on how we can provoke our children. You know, the kind of over, uh, well-meaning, overprotective parents, they restrict you on what you can do. They tell you where and where you should not go. They're always questioning you, never trusting you to make your own decisions. That's a way of provoking your children. We know we love them, but we don't trust God enough to protect them. We feel like we need to be in control of their life. Maybe when they're still little kids, yes, they have to be obedient, but the way, when they come of age, we have to understand that we have to 
have faith in God that God will protect them and set them free. Let us not provoke our children. We provoke our children when we show favoritism to one over the other. And a lot of parents wouldn't claim that they have favorites, but other children feel it. And they would deny it. I don't have any favorites, but you're not aware. Maybe you're saying something about your other child. Oh, she's such a nice person. She has good grades. She's such an obedient child. You're not aware of it, but you're offending your other children. They become discouraged. They become resentful. They withdraw and they become bitter. And they talk to their friends about it. And you are not aware of it. Parents do not provoke children. We provoke our children when we push them beyond reasonable bounds. They end up feeling that there is nothing that they can do to satisfy us. There was a story of a young girl who had parents who were great achievers. And they said, I want you to be this, I want you to be that, this grade. And she excelled in everything that she do. She was a scholar, she had straight A's, she was the queen of the prom night, she was a very beautiful lady. And before she committed suicide, she said, there's nothing I can do to satisfy my mom. You put too much high expectation on your children. You provoke them. We provoke them when we always discourage them and call their attention to their mistakes, but never, never appreciating them for the good that they do. A lot of parents are like that because we want to be corrective. We want to teach them what is right. So we point out what is wrong with them, but we fail to understand that we need to encourage them and believe that they've done good things as well. But we do not focus on that. We focus on, you've done this again, this is wrong. You're not going to be able to amount to anything. They will eventually lose hope. They will become convinced that they will never be able to do anything right. We commit these mistakes a lot of times. Parents also provoke their children when they make them feel that they are unwanted and that they are a burden and they always interfere with our plans and our happiness. Sometimes children feel that way. And don't be surprised when eventually we would become unwanted ourselves and they would feel that we are an intrusion to their life and they would want to just jump out of our home and just be independent. There's nothing wrong with that, but if the intention is to get away from us, then there is something wrong with that. I'm not talking about provoking or just being good and kind to our children, our family. The message of the Bible is this. Wherever there is a human being, there is an opportunity to show kindness. Think about your office mate. Think about the stranger you met at the grocery. Think about the people you you know, you, you meet every day. There's always an opportunity to show kindness, to show goodness, and to show love. These are the things that define us, who we are in Christ. Jesus said, by this you will know, they will know that you are my disciples because of your love for one another. The next trait of the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. What is faithfulness? A faithful person is someone whom God can trust, in whose heart he can implant his laws and commandments, and who will carefully obey them in every detail. We find strength in our faith in God because he 
is faithful to us. When two people get married, right, they expect one another to remain faithful to each other. You made those vows for richer, for poorer, till death do us part. Faithfulness is part of the marriage covenant, the promise that we made to each other. So also with God. Faithfulness is not an option that we choose. God expects us to be faithful. And how do we show our faithfulness to God? By obedience to His word. We have to be obedient. When we become obedient, His heart becomes our heart. His mind becomes our mind. His will becomes our will. We cannot be faithful to God if we choose to do the things according to our will and disregard Him. Every person in this room is powerful. The next trait of the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. Tell the person behind you or beside you, you're powerful. Raise your armpit and say, you're powerful. What I'm saying is that we can speak words of wisdom. We can speak words of encouragement. We can speak words that will influence the life of other people. Words that can bring death or life. Words that can encourage or curse. We can act in ways that can help others or can hurt others. Our words, remember, are free. But it is how we use them that may cost us. So let's be gentle with our words to our children. You don't need to shout at them. You don't need to yell at them. Let's be gentle with our words to our spouses. Do we really have to raise our voice when we're talking or discussing about an issue? Let's be gentle with a stranger we just met. Because once we've said something, there is no way we can take it back anymore. Gentleness is strength under control. Those who get into fits of rages are the ones who are weak. Those who are able to control their temper are the ones who are strong. If you choose to raise your voice, raise your voice to encourage people. The next time you raise your voice, ask yourself, am I encouraging this person? If not, then don't raise your voice. The Bible says, let your words be seasoned with grace. If you are going to clench your fist, don't clench it in anger. Clench it in prayer. The Bible says, pray for those who persecute you. And that is difficult. I wouldn't want to pray for someone who persecutes me. Maybe pray that he would be run over by a bulldozer, yes, but not, you know. That's how we are as human beings. But the Bible says, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who persecute you. Love your neighbors in spite of. Did you ever wonder why it's very difficult to get angry at a very gentle person? You feel like, you know, you feel bad about yourself. The Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath, but the harsh word stirs up anger. The scripture is reminding us to allow our gentleness to be evident in our lives. The last characteristic that is listed as a trait of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. On our own, it's impossible. 
who have made the promise that you'll start exercising three years ago? Both hands. Who made the promise that I'll start eating healthy last year and had, you know, a bacon steak sandwich yesterday? See, on our own, it's impossible. Our fallen nature is under the influence of sin. One of the proof of the Holy Spirit's evidence in our life is change in us. Our ability to control our thoughts, our actions, and our words. As we grow deeper into our relationship and our commitment to the Lord, the Holy Spirit helps us to quench our desire for anything that dishonors God. The Holy Spirit helps us to be responsible in presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our worship. Self-control involves moderation. It involves constraint. It involves the ability to say no to the things that do not glorify God. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is the change in our character that comes into our lives because of the Holy Spirit working in and through us. We cannot become a Christian on our own. We cannot continue to live as a Christian on our own. In Philippians 2, verse 13, it says, It is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, of love, of self-control. Every good thing that we do is the fruit of the Spirit working in our lives. It is not you, I'm a good person, no. I'm a generous, I'm a kind person. It's not you. It is the fruit of the Spirit working in you. And as we end the series, I hope and I pray that this verse is something that we do not just hear, read, and forget about next week. I struggled memorizing this because it was not in my heart. I felt like I needed to memorize this because, you know, I have to. But you have to store this in your heart. So the next time you are confronted with a situation that requires you to be loving, in a situation that requires you to be joyful in the Lord, you know where to get it. You draw it from the storeroom of your house, of your heart. The storeroom of your heart, it should be like impressed and cut off from the slate, the tablet of your heart. These things, and I want you to memorize them by heart. Remember to love always, to be joyful in whatever circumstance that you have in life. Can I call in the worship team, please? To be peaceful with the people around you. Be at peace with everyone. To be patient with your spouse, with your children, with your mother-in-law, with your families, with your neighbors, with your office mate, with your supervisor who makes life difficult for you. To practice kindness, goodness. To be faithful to what God has called you to do. To be gentle to everyone and to practice self-control. So I hope and I pray that as you go out from this room, that you will have it in your heart, inside of you, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The moment you step out of this door, I want you to say love, joy, and peace. Let's start with the three first. This day will be filled with love. Every people I meet will feel it. In spite of what I'm going through, there'll be a big smile on my face because God is faithful. And I will be at peace regardless of where I am in my life because I know that God is faithful. Let's all stand and continue to worship God. fathers, Lord, for whatever it is that we hold against them, Lord. Clear our hearts from every form of anger, spirit of resentment, and hatred for them, Lord. Forgive us for feeling that way towards our fathers. Lord, as fathers, help us to become more loving, more joyful in our families, and we will be an example of peace to our children that we will be patient with our wives, our children, that we will be loving, kind, and good to them, Lord. Lord, help us as fathers to be gentle, to be faithful to you, to be faithful to our wives, and most especially to be able to exercise self-control. So we thank you, Lord, for our fathers, in this room, Lord, and all the fathers represented in this church and all the fathers in the world, we thank you that you are our Father.
and that we can be good fathers because of you. And we bless and we honor all the dads today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great weekend. Enjoy Father's Day with your family. You just heard a message from Every Nation Canberra. For more messages like these or to access other resources, please visit our website at encanbra.org. Like our page on Facebook at facebook.com slash everynationcanbra.org.